0: We are in part two of Who is Job? And if you were with us uh, last week, we started uh, a series on the book of Job. Uh, We kind of did, you know, some of you had heard, some of you have not heard. If you're just jumping in uh, this week, uh, you'll be fine. Nothing last week is going to throw you off too bad. You didn't miss too much. Uh, many people have heard about Job, many of people have read the book of Job, uh, many people have not. Uh, Job is a book that is 42 chapters long. Uh, I think most people that read the book read the first two chapters and then thought, I don't want to read the rest, I'm just going to stop, right? And you miss the whole meat uh, of Job. Many of you have probably heard sermons preached on Job, uh, and you've probably heard good sermons and we've heard some crazy sermons uh, on the book of Job. And a lot of times people can read this story and what they can do is, is they can say, well, this story, right, is about us. And one of the biggest mistakes we make when reading the Bible is when we don't know who the story is about. It's a major flaw when reading the Bible is when you think, well, who is this story about? And you have to realize that the book of Job is not about you, right? And I know that's hard for you to hear because we're so used to everything being about us, uh, but the book of Job is not about us. The reason I showed that video is I saw that video about three years ago. We were looking for stuff for Easter. And I watched that video, and it it had that little segment about Job about how, uh, you know, Job is, you know, there's one who's true and better, right? Who's greater, the truly innocent sufferer. And it kind of, when I watched that video, kind of made me think, well, I want to go back and look at the book of Job, because if we've, we've all heard those sermons of, of where Job is about, you know, hey, God's gonna do whatever he wants to you. And if God wants to hurt you, he's gonna hurt you. If he wants to bless you, he's gonna bless you. And that, you know, Job chapter one and two starts off with Satan in heaven, right? And if you were here last week, you know that we looked into that, and that is not Lucifer, that's not the devil. Um, that translates just to someone who opposes. Uh, and, and so this, this Satan character comes in and says, well, you know, God tells him, have you, have you seen my servant Job? And he says, man, he's he's awesome, he's blameless, he's this great guy. And he says, yeah, but he only does that because you bless him. Take all the way, he'll curse you. They take everything away from him, and he still doesn't curse God. Then chapter 2, he comes back and says, well, you know, a, a man will do anything skin for skin, right? But take his health away, and then he'll curse you. And he says, okay, God tells him you can take his health, uh, but don't kill the man, right? And, and so many of us have heard growing up, you know, pastor talks about this. He heard this, that the devil can do anything to you, but he can't kill you right? He can't kill you. And we hear all these crazy messages about how that the devil, uh, you know, is chained to the throne room, like a pit bull and God will sick him on you when you act up. And so, you know, what we do kind of is we kind of just stay away from that book, right? Cause we can't explain it. We don't know how to, we don't know how to tell you what that story's about. And so I really researched it, really looked into it and God began to reveal some things to me. And one of the things that I think is so amazing about this book is it's designed to do a couple of things. Number one, it's designed to make you ask questions, right? The book of Job is designed to make you go to God, right? Because he's dealing, that's what happens at the end of the book of Job. Job, they talk for 38 chapters with three friends about what has happened to him. And he finally says, I have to go to God to get some answers. And he's kind of, they're kind of rude to each other and says, cause you fools don't know nothing. He calls them windbags, a bunch of windbags. I don't even know what that means. But it had to be offensive. And so he goes to God, and that's what this book is designed to do, is to take you to God. And just as the video we saw, when, when you think that the Old Testament points to you, listen to me, when you think the Old Testament points to you, it leads you away from Jesus. But when you think the Old Testament points to Jesus, it leads you to him. Every story in the Bible is pointing to Jesus. You have to understand that there's only one hero in the Bible. One. That's Jesus. David was awesome, not the hero of the Bible. Moses was a great guy, but not the hero of the Bible. All of those stories that you read and that you've heard growing up and that maybe some of you have seen on a felt board in a nursery room all point to Jesus. And so, A major flaw that we make in reading this story is who is this story about? I want to read to you Job 5, verse 18. This is Job five eighteen in the New Living Translation. It says, "For though he wounds," talking about God. Job is talking; they're having a conversation. They're right in the middle of it, and he says, "For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal." Now we can take this verse and you read that, and you think, "Well, what does that? What does that mean?" Right? It says, "For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal." And so many people take that as, "Well, well, God, you know, is going to wound you, but then he'll heal you, and he might strike you to teach you a lesson, but." then his hands will also heal you. He might do something, uh, you know, make you have a flat tire on the way to work because he's trying to teach you patience or something. Or, or he'll, he'll give you the flu because he's trying to, to teach you something. He's trying to teach you a lesson, right? It, it'd be like if Annie, you know, I have a daughter and she's about to be two in December and... She's getting to that stage where she doesn't listen very well, and she knows no really good. And she's like, you know, you're like get get out of the get out of the closet, Annie. And she's like, no, it's like, woman, don't tell me no, right? I said, get out of the closet and, and she, you know, she pushes you to your limits. Right. And so if she was getting in the cookie jar and every time she got in the cookie jar, I went in and I broke one of her fingers. Right. If I did that and every time she got in the cookie jar, I broke another finger said, stay out of there and I'll quit breaking your fingers. Just stay out of there. Right. We know that that's ridiculous. Right. Somebody would call CPS and say, Kurt's a lunatic and you need to arrest him. Right. Because we know as humans that that's not okay, that that's not Okay. But then we think somehow that God's going to do that to us, right? I've been to a place one time at a Christian school activity, and one of the young men broke his arm at football practice. And one of the teachers got up and said, well, God's just trying to teach him a lesson. That's ridiculous, okay? And many of us have heard this message our whole lives. So I want to turn to Job 53. We're going to read 9 through 10. This is Job 53, 9 through 10. And it says, and they made his grave With the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yes, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put, he put him to grief. Now, right, right there at the top, I'm not going to read the rest. It says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Verse nine, it says that he had done no violence and no deceit was found in his mouth. Now, if you were paying attention earlier, you, re- you remember that I said Job only has 42 chapters. There is no Job 53. That's because that's Isaiah 53. That's not talking about Job. That's talking about Jesus. It says, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. See, we've read the book of Job, we've heard the book of Job preached, and we've thought our whole lives that this book is about us. Because we're Americans, everything's about us. But what this book is about, is a, it's a representation of Jesus. That Job was innocent and deserved none of this. Just like Jesus was innocent and deserved none of it. But it was the will of the Lord to crush him to save you, right? And then in worship, we're like, this is amazing grace. God, how long is this going to last? Right? Right? I mean, it's, it's just so true. And, and we, just, we just, we're like zombies that come in here and, and then leave. And if if it wasn't inspirational and funny and made me laugh and made me cry, well, then this Sunday wasn't very good. And it's like the realization, if it could hit you, number one, that God loves you. Right? God cares about you. Right? You know, a revelation that y'all need to go home with today is God is not mad. Right? Read the Old Testament when he was mad, and I can tell you he's not mad. Okay? Because God flooded the earth, he was so mad right? Killed everybody. Yeah. So he told Noah, I'm going to kill everybody. We're killing you. You Build a boat. Everybody's dying. Can I let people on the boat? No. He was all worried about the animals, right? People. No, you you, you let them drown. We're all going to watch together, right? God was a little, little crazy, right? You just read the old Testament. You get in that book and just start reading it. I dare you to. You'd be scared, right? You know that nobody's going to Sodom and Gomorrah this year for vacation in the summer because God wiped it off the earth. He's like, y'all run. He told them, don't look back or I'm going to turn you to a pillar of salt. Who does that? What if, I mean, what if I just need to check for a minute, you know? Like just to, man, and he says, don't turn around and look. And God was just a little crazy. You know, and, and what happens is, is the devil is pure evil. Lucifer is this pure evil. And we can't explain the things that happen on the world. We can't explain Las Vegas. We can't explain hurricanes. We can't explain mass shootings. We can't explain people flying airplanes into buildings. So the thing we come up with, well, must have been the will of God. And it's like, that's that's the only thing we can come up with. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that is not the will of God. You know, people say, well, you know, Las Vegas is full of sinners. Yeah, I bet all you'd been too, huh? Yeah, 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 right? It's like, well, well I, you know, we were just there to see the lights, you know. <laughs> we're not there to sin. That, that, that is not the will of God. Here's what you have to understand. God is good, number one. The devil is bad. Number three, the world is broken. Right? We always forget the third one. Right? Everything that happens isn't the devil. Now, the devil is pure evil, and the devil wants to create evil. Right? The devil wants to disrupt the world. God, the devil, he hates you with with a hate that we don't even understand. A hate that I think humans can't even comprehend. The level of hate that he has for us. And he hates you so much because God was willing to die to save you. And he can't comprehend that. And he loves you. And you have to understand that that is not, you know, when terrible things happen, it's because the world is broken. Right? Jesus died on the cross to save us. He said, I'm going to come back for the world. And you really got to understand that. That Jesus died on the cross and he bought you back. But the Bible says that the, the world, Satan is the prince of this world. Okay, we can't we can't get into all of that this morning, but I want you to understand that. So I want to we're going to read through some different scenarios in Job, and I'm going to show you how it lines up with Jesus. In Job one eight. this is the very beginning. This is when uh, they're in heaven, and it says, The Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. So God's saying how awesome Job is. Man, he's blameless. He's complete integrity, right? In Luke 23, verse 4, it says, Then Pilate said to the chief priests and to the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. Now, This is when Jesus has been arrested. They take him to Pilate because he has to find him guilty so they can crucify him, right? We know that Pilate takes him and talks to him, and he brings him back out, and he says, I find no guilt in this man, right? We see where God says the same thing about Job. He's blameless and a man of complete integrity, and we see the same thing in Jesus. I find no guilt in this man, right? Jesus was innocent, Right. You know, Pilate tries to trick him and says, well, hey, do y'all want Jesus or Barabbas? Barabbas is a crazy guy. Right. Murderer, thief, not a good guy. And he's trying to get him to say, oh, no, put Barabbas back in jail and we'll take Jesus. But they don't do that. And it's because, you know, he's he knows. Pilate knows, man, he is not guilty just as Job wasn't. And, and then Job, in, ver, in chapter 9, verse 2, he's having this argument back and forth with his friends. And in one chapter is, you know, Eliphaz, uh, you know, returns to Job. And, and Job answers Eliphaz. And it says, so Job says, yes, I know all of this is true in principle, right? They just argued about, well, you must have sinned. That's what his friends show up for seven days. They don't say anything. And then one of them's like, you must have sinned or this wouldn't have happened. It's like, thanks for the encouragement, right? You know? Just, just, how much you go home and, and, and Job says, I know this is all in true and principle, but how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? So the whole book of Job, the meat of the book for 38 chapters, he argues back and forth with three friends. And what they argue about most is how can someone be innocent? How can someone be innocent? And it's almost like they're setting up these requirements for Jesus to be found innocent. Right and so, in jo- and then in- I love this in Job fifteen verse fourteen. He says, "Can any mortal be pure? Can anyone born of a woman be just?" right? Can anyone born of a woman be just? In Isaiah seven fourteen, it says, this is, uh, Isaiah is a prophet. He's prophesying this way before Jesus is ever born. He says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, Job is, is saying, can anyone born of a woman be just? Can anyone born of a woman be innocent? Right? We all know Jesus was born of a woman. Right? And it's like they're setting up this story, setting up these requirements, setting up like, hey, can this even work? Right? Can this even work? I mean, you could almost imagine for a minute this conversation, you could replace it with God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And you could almost imagine the Holy Spirit saying, can anyone born of a woman be just? right? Can can this work? Is this going to even be possible for this to happen? But we read Job and we're like, well, if God wants to knock you upside the head, he's going to do it, right? You have to understand, remember, God's not mad. He used to be, but he's not anymore. I don't know if he just calmed down in his old age or what happened, but God's not mad anymore, right? Somebody's like, that's blasphemy. We don't know how old God is. He's always got a beard in all the pictures. And so we, we you know, we walk out our daily lives like somehow God's going to get me, right? And I, I better better behave or God's going to get me, right? And that's not God's heart, right? The, the, the song that we sing, This is Amazing Grace, it says what kind of king leaves his throne, right? What kind of king leaves his glory to die? They don't do it, right? They don't do it. In the history of the world, we've never seen a king die for his people, right? In Islam, you know, God doesn't die for you. You die for God. I mean, right? And so you have to to get that that spirit off of you of, of somehow that God's mad at me. God's upset with me. God's disappointed in me. The Bible says that when you receive Jesus Christ, that when God looks at you, he sees a perfect son or a perfect daughter because of Jesus, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has already done, right? And if you could just let that settle into your heart and start to live your life like that, when we sing this is amazing grace, you might actually sing, right? And all of a sudden your arms move and you're like, what's that thing doing? And then it's like, oh, oh, wow. You know, because you you can't worship because we don't know God. And we think God's mad at us. We think God's ticked off that God's somehow going to smack me upside the head. And he's not going to do that. That's not his heart. That's not what he wants to do. And we can't read Job and think, hey, this is about me. Now, this this is where it gets really good. Job 9, verse 32, uh, Job is talking here. And it says, God is not mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. Uh, if there was only a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together, the mediator could make God stop beating me and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment, then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that on my own strength. Now, we're gonna go to First Timothy chapter 2, 5-6. through six. It says, for there is one God, and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. Verse six, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Now, jump back uh, to verse five with me really quick. I want to show you something really cool. First of all, Job is like, I wish there was a mediator. I wish there was someone who could bring me and God together so he'd quit whipping my butt right? And I love that he uses the word mediator. Then Timothy in the New Testament, Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor. He says, there's one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. Don't you love how he says like the man, he's not like that guy or that man. It's almost like they're introducing a wrestler, you know, the man Christ Jesus, you know, I mean, it's just like, they, you know, they do that, And then it's like, you know, it's like they kind of take a breath right there after humanity, you know, can reconcile God and humanity. The man. I just think that that's so cool. You know, y'all are reading your Bible wrong. You know, I need to, I mean, you're just like the man. It's like, no, that's not, that's not how they're saying that. And he's like putting some, something into that. And it's for there's only one God and there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile humanity. And I love, I love verse six. Um, Because it says this is the message God gave the world at just the right time. This is the message God gave the world. That I want to reconcile our relationship through the blood of Jesus. It's not the message of I'm going to whip you if you don't act right. Right. Right? That's not the message he was sending. The message he is sending is, hey, Jesus is going to step out of heaven. He's going to die on a cross and be buried for three days, defeat death, hell, and the grave, and raise from the dead so that we can have a good relationship. You realize in the Old Testament, the whole time the Israelites were getting out of Egypt, the whole time, their whole existence throughout the Old Testament, they never did their part. They were always doing something wrong. Right? And God always wanted to move in their life, but he couldn't because they were always screwing up. Right? Right? Moses is up on Mount Sinai, gets the Ten Commandments. They hang out in the glory of God, and they come down, and they've built a gold calf and are worshiping it. You know, a, a gold cow. You know, it'd be like if we went on vacation, we get back, and y'all've got a gold calf up here, and be like, "Are you serious, guys? Come on!" And so Moses comes down. Moses is like, "Let's kill them right now. Lightning. Poof, let's just get rid of them." God's like, "No, not today. Maybe tomorrow. Check back with me tomorrow, right?" And so what God said is, is that I'm tired of them not doing their part. I want to be able to bless them either way. I want to be able to bless them if they're doing their part or if they're not doing their part. And the only way we can do that is if we give blood and we buy them back. And then they don't have to do their part. They don't have to be perfect all the time. I can bless them no matter what. Right? But we walk around stuck in the Old Testament and thinking, well, I, I, I better straighten up if, or, you know, God's going God's gonna, gonna to get me. If God was going to get you, you'd be God. You just would. You know, there's no, like, juking or jiving. There's, there's none of that. You, you'd be God. And so there's one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow and they're like, what would you talk about in church? You'd be like, the man, Christ Jesus. Just scare everybody to death. They'd be like, you go to that church, don't you? You'd be like, you better believe it. <laughs> you better believe it. John four, or Job, sorry, Job fourteen fourteen. This is another good one. He says, Job says, can the dead live again? If so, this would give me hope through all my years of struggle, and I would eagerly await the release of death. Job says, can the dead live again? Obviously, Jesus hasn't died. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know that there's life after death. Right? If so, this would give me hope through all my years of struggle. See, heaven is supposed to give you hope. Right? We're supposed to have hope that we know we're going to struggle. We know we're going to suffer. Right? We know we're going to suffer on the earth. Why? Because it's broken. Right? And the devil's bad. It's not because God's doing it to you. It's because the world's broken. Right? Jesus died on the cross, defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he says, now I give you all authority. See, when the devil whips up on you, God says, you know, put your fists up. Why don't you just start punching back? You know, God says, I've given you everything you need to defeat him. Now do it, right? If God was going to get us, why did he say put on armor, right? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Why would he say fight? Why would he say, hey, watch out for the devil because he prowls around like a lion waiting for someone to devour, right? You know, be vigilant. Keep your eyes up, right? When we were kids, we'd always walk with our eyes down. You know, in the parking lot at Walmart, we'd walk like this. Mom would be like, look up, look up, right? And that's how Christians are. We walk around like this and the devil's just punching you in the face. And Jesus is saying, hey, look up, look up, right? And so he says, you know, can the dead live again? If so, I would, I would have hope through all my years of struggle. John three sixteen. for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Right, You've all heard that a million times. That's why I use a different translation to throw you off a little bit. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that, who, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You have the hope this morning of eternal life. Right, We have the promise that we are going to be in heaven. That all your loved ones that have passed on before you, we are going to see them again right in heaven in in complete peace in complete glory in complete perfection we're going to be in heaven and we're going to see uh Jesus right we're going to get to see God we're going to get to see our loved ones and all of uh, everything will be made right everything will be restored on the other side right you have to remember Jesus bought you back he didn't get the world yet he's coming back on a white horse with a sword to get that one amen right and so I want to read to you Romans 10, 9 through 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All that means is is that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died on the cross and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Right? And the Bible says that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus there's no other way there, right? You know, it's in ground zero. You can walk around and and ask kids, you know, uh, you know, how how do you get saved? One kid told me years ago, he said, well, you have to confess all your sins and and then you pray and God will save you. It's like all, all, all of them. Like how much time do we have here to confess all of them? Right? You know, uh, dad said, you know, uh, last year he's down at power kids and he's like, what does it mean to be a Christian? And they're like, what's well, a Christian? It's like, well, we're failing at our job. Uh, you know, and kids are like that in ground zero. How do you get saved? And they're like, uh, I don't know. You, you, you lift your hands in worship. No, that no. Yeah. I, I need to be fired. Right. And so you have to talk to him. You have to teach them on how to do that. And how that happens is you confess and you believe, you confess and believe, you confess that Jesus, I need you in my life, right? You are Lord, you are the king, right? I, I love it when Pilate, I'm reading that about how he comes out and says, I find no guilt in him, and he says, you know, are, are, you, are you king? And, and Jesus says, you said it, not me. It's like, dude, you're, you're so slick. You know, he's like, you said it, not me. And the way that this happens, the way we have this hope of eternal life, the way we have this hope that God's not mad at us, that God loves me and that God cares about me is through Jesus Christ. And the only way to receive that is to confess and believe. If you would bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment. If you've never done that, if you've never confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And if you say, well, I think I've done that, but I can't really remember when, and then I would encourage you to go ahead and do that anyway this morning. If you can't remember when you prayed that prayer or what service you were in, uh, I want to encourage you to do that this morning so that you're sure and you know that you have that hope of eternal life. And so what I want to do right now is, is if that's you and you say, I want this hope, I want Jesus, I, I want the, the unconditional love of God in my life, I just want you to raise your hand. You're not raising it for me. You're not raising it for the people around us. You're raising it as an act of faith, of saying, hey, God, I need you. I need you this morning. Amen, you can put your hands down. Uh, for those of you that did not raise your hand, I really want you to pay attention to the prayer I pray so that if there's ever a time in your life that you encounter someone and the conversation leads to heaven or to Jesus and you think, man, I need to get this person saved. We need to pray this prayer. I want you to know what to pray and I want you to be able to pray, pray this prayer. And so I want everybody in the room to repeat this after me. So here we go. Dear heavenly father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross. And I believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen.